Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. So, so welcome, Sean, to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. Do you want to give a brief introduction to who you are? Yeah. Hi, everyone. So Sean Sadler, I've been working IT now for over 20 years. Um, and within that time, I've been developing, leading and mentoring various size teams across uh, the whole spectrum of IT, from infrastructure to uh, software development and cybersecurity. I have a real passion in looking to implement the latest technologies or ways of working to enable a business to transform uh, and therefore either increase in size, provide, provide a better mm. service to customers, or become incredibly efficient. Uh, I'm currently at MWI Animal Health, and I'm a business unit of uh, Marisol's Bergen, who are a global pharmaceuticals company. Now, we're going to talk about business process automation and um, transformation. You know, what does that stuff mean to you? And, and, and what, is, what is the reason that, that, it, that it, it creates a level of passion in you, I guess? Well, I guess for me, I always like to add value, make a difference. And, and so I think um, by understanding the business problems, business issues, or the um, business goals, then you can position IT in order to deliver uh, on those goals and actually uh, really uh, improve how the business operates. I guess I've done that in a few different organizations. Um, so I did a... Uh, I did an innovation challenge at one of my previous companies. It, again, it's an area I'm quite passionate about. And that was actually really good because um, you know, I've got the CEO on side. It was some of the, as, as the, the heads of departments, we sort of talked about. And we also had a really good idea. Again, you know, having that collaboration with your, your peers, I think, is vital. Um, and ultimately, what we did was we asked each department to, with their teams come up with at least two ideas what they how they thought that we could improve the business uh, and then and I, of course I did the same with my team as well so I had a bit of a, an away day went through some stuff and um, you know we ultimately voted on the, the two best ideas that came out that day and it was a really good day actually you know I love I love to do brainstorming so, so that went forward. Um, I, I then sat down with one of my one of my fellow hods and and the CEO, and we, we talked about some of the ideas. We gave our recommendations. Some of them were seen as more long term strategy, which was fine, uh, which he was going to incorporate. And there were a couple of others that actually uh, he felt would be really useful to help move us forward. And they, they don't all obviously have to be technology related. Although, of course, you know, in my respect, if they are, then that makes um, some real benefit. But there, there were a couple, you know, were like, well, you know, we have so many paper processes. Why don't we just have some e-signatures instead to, to do that? So so we did like a hackathon. We looked at um, DocuSign, we looked at Adobe Sign and one other, and ultimately came out with Adobe Sign as a better, better option for us as a business. And uh, okay. that helped to... Uh, transform some of the things we did and really introduce some efficiencies. 
I guess that, that, that created a little bit of a snowball effect. I then had people approaching me saying, oh, Sean, on the back of this innovation challenge, I've had a thought. We have these invoices that we have to process manually in order to, to us be able to, you know, reclaim VAT back from HMRC. Is there not a more automated way that we can do this? Yeah. Of course, well, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there is. So then we looked into options for that. We found some, we just found some off-the-shelf software um, and that enabled us to extract the relevant information. We were then able to put that to a SharePoint list mm-hmm. and they were then able to use that instead of having to employ an outside uh, agency like a third party that we've used time to time. They were able to run this process, reclaim back 440k worth of money in VAT from HRC. Wow. The value of what? About a week's worth of work, probably, you know, and about 100 quid, 150 quid of software. So it was a bit of a no brainer. And the other thing, of course, was then that each year they needed to do this, they just rerun the process. Yeah. And so, and I guess I've taken that with me into MWI. And when we when we won this project um, with, a, with a, a major customer, well, they were a major supplier. They then became a major customer because of the business model change that they were implementing. I think uh, you know we, we then struggled with the workload that this caused for us, certainly from a customer services team experience. And as a result of that, we were abandoning a lot of calls, um, and uh, we actually had some KPIs with them. But of course. You know, we want to have a good level of service. And so, you know, I spoke to the head of commercial and said, look, let's see what we can do. Let's work together. You know, let's see where technology can help you out. And it was, you know, the organization was itself was about 20 odd years old, but it it was still very much stuck in the old way of doing things. And I, I realized that when I joined it. And there were a lot of things that were processed very manually or because it used to be a smaller company, it was like, well, well, we like to do things for the customer. You know, we like to maintain that, that personal sort of uh, communication and, uh, you know, then knowing our names and that sort of thing. But of course, it wasn't scalable. So the only way that we could make it scalable was by implementing RPA technology, ultimately. Um, for things such as process of invoices that can be via email, mm-hmm. rather than having to go and manually and actually even put them into the system, well, we can use RPA that can that can read the email, that can extract the information from the spreadsheet, that can input it automatically into SAP, have the orders placed, and actually that that person then can can do something else. Yeah, so seventy-eight percent of their time can be better utilised. Uh, but also have customers checking their deliveries, you know, ringing in saying, do you know where my delivery is? Well, we just implemented a new transport management system where you can actually track your delivery, where it was, um, at the time that's going to come to you. So why don't we, why don't we give that visibility to the customers, you know, with our new e-commerce site? Why don't we give them the ability to actually see that from the e-commerce site? They don't then have to ring in customer service. There's a better customer experience for them. They have a self-service. So those kinds of things, really, that I worked upon whilst I've been in WI. Yeah, so, so two things I want to pick out of that. So, so one is this delivery thing. I mean, that's, that's definitely a first-world problem in some senses because 
nothing more frustrating than you you have something be delivered to your house and they say, oh, we'll deliver it between nine and nine. And you're like, um, yeah, but how do I plan my day? Now I've got to sit at home the whole day while we wait for you to be delivered. Whereas, you know, the car's got a GPS, you know that, I mean, the, the technology is definitely there to, to know where the vehicle is. You also know that the guys plan their delivery during the day. Um, it's not that difficult to estimate a delivery slot. Um, or even just to send a text message 15 minutes, you know, distance from, from your location, um, from, from the vehicle to the thing. I mean, we were doing that 15 years ago um, with, with Microsoft. Um, it, was a, it was a device by, not HTC, um, got a funny name, but it was Microsoft Mobile 6.5 or 6.1 was the operating system. It was a very clunky, crappy, compared to the iOS and Androids of today, but you can do it with the technology, so, so you can definitely do it with the technology we've got today. Um, the other thing that I wanted to pick up, you mentioned the, the RPA used for the invoicing. Um, it, it does fascinate me, even today, how people still send an invoice um, as a PDF in an email to an email box for someone to manually process. I mean, the amount of time that's wasted. And, and I think the key thing for me is that, and you can hit the nail on the head, is when you start automating these things, it's not about taking someone's job away, um, which is obviously the worry with automation is you, you, you're going to, you know, everyone's going to lose their job. But a person can be repurposed from doing that very intensive stuff that a machine could do to use their brain for something else. I mean, we had a guy in Switzerland who his job was to basically scan a document into a scanner from one pile to another pile. And that was his job doing that for years. And he was, I would say he was quite happy doing it, but like you sort of look at that and well, what, what are we doing? We can definitely do this better. And and, and as you say, the, the, the sort of the multiplier effect of using a machine is there um, for the business value. Um, so it almost becomes a no brainer, but no one's thought about it yet. So it's, it's a missed opportunity. I think as well, you know, and certainly my experience at NWI as well, we've always done it that way. You know? Yeah. My favorite, yeah. So not challenging, okay, but is that the right thing to do? Yeah. You know, just because we've always done it that way, is it the right thing to do? And, um, and I know, you know, we, and one thing that we did as well, and interesting thing probably, but uh, same for yourself as well, right, is about RPA metrics, et cetera, um, you know, and the success of them. Um, and it's great, you know, where, where we both have our, our peer networks, uh, where, you know, we can get advice to other people that have been doing similar sort of things, you know, a bit ahead of us. You can, you can look at some of the, I guess, the pitfalls. And I think one of them was that I understood quite early was let's not just try to automate a bad process. If the, the process itself, well, let's look at things holistically. So rather than just trying to automate the existing process, well, what do we need? What do we want to do? You know, where do we want to get to? Um, and then, so do we need to change the existing process in order to facilitate that? And then and a lot of instances, yeah, because they haven't been revisited in I don't know how many years, have they? You know, they've just been continuing on. And people just find manual ways of doing things. You know, it might not be perfect, but they just accept it and get on with it. So uh, for us, it's a case of, well, let's look, let's review we can't really do let's see how we can improve upon that um and then let's look to automate it yeah so your, your point around challenging the process um 
I think that's so important. And, and I think that there's a, there's a level of, um, I, I don't want to use the word accountability again, but you know, the people involved in the process don't usually own the process. So, so what happens is someone, de someone determines what the process is and they all have to follow it or a process gets developed based on, you know, people just doing their, doing what the work needs to be done and that develops into a process. But there's, there needs to be that extra step of, of, you know, taking a look at it end to end and optimizing it and, and having the people on the, on the ground that are involved in it actually uh, feeding into it. Um, and, and, and a lot of that is about understanding what, what they need to do in order to get their thing done um, with the right information, um, the right checks and balances, and obviously the right level of information security nowadays, because that's also quite important. Yeah. Um, and then you, you also have all these legacy systems you've got to deal with. Yeah, and you know, I guess another instance of that as well was, um, uh, understandably, the operation wanted to see how efficient they were in uh, within with our warehouses, you know how how many items we pick per hour, um, you know how many items we ship, etc. And um, with the workforce that we have, what is that costing ultimately? You know, get that cost down. And um, in order to get that information, it was it was all very much well. Manager is going to fill in this spreadsheet, and someone else spreadsheet and then that information is going to be transposed and put to another spreadsheet and and actually a lot of that time has now been taken up to fill in all these spreadsheets to say about how much time they're spending on and their team are doing things and it's just a bit of madness really so that was another area and and from the you know at the end of that anyway the information that they were they were gleaning wasn't accurate you know mm. so it's all very much going on yeah Again, it was looking at that holistically and saying, well, how do we want to do this properly? Because, and it, it was, it was the heads of departments in that way, who also didn't have any understanding of what their team had to do in order to generate the information for them to have their KPIs. Yeah. So I think by us just engaging with those that actually carry out that work, as you're saying, and then what they do at this present moment in time, we can then recommend a better solution for them going forwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was doing it back as a consultant, uh, we used to follow the lean methodologies. Um, so, you know, looking for waste and value and, and, and that sort of stuff. And I found that quite a good framework to, to leverage. Do you, do you follow something similar or is it just experience? Well, yeah, I think it's just experience. I mean, obviously, I'm aware of Six Sigma, Six Sigma, yeah. um, and uh, what it's what it's about, what it's there for. So, but it's not something I've actually practiced myself um, at all. But yeah, aware aware of it and what what it's trying to do. And I think it's a really good practice, to be. But I think it needs the rest of the company also to be on that uh, on the same bus, doesn't it, in order to drive that value. Yeah, no, no, it does. Um, what, what is, uh, I mean, if, if you had to sort of explain this to a, to a layman, what would be the, uh, the, the, the approach you would take in, in, in looking at business processes and optimizing them? Um, 
Well, yeah, ultimately, it's just um, viewing how they currently do things and, and challenging that. You know, I think you said earlier, it's about asking those stupid questions. You know, mm. Why why do you do this? You know, why, why do you do that? You know, is there a, an actual business reason for all this, or is it just something that you've always done because that's the way it was taught to you and the way it was taught to somebody else previously? You know? yeah. and it's, it's trying to understand the rationale and in some instances there may be a good reason for it and other, you know, other instances there'll be no good reason at all so it's looking at and then saying okay so in this instance can we, can we change this can we get rid of that step can we automate that step do we need mm. to do it you know, that's the way that uh, I've generally approached it and obviously having a good BA in your team that can, yeah. uh, can really understand that document is quite key uh, that's what I found and then from that once you have that um, uh, I guess find target business process that you want to follow then you can look to implement that then you can look to actually automate that yeah and, and do you think that the tools make a big difference that you're using uh, you know a business process management tool or like you mentioned some already, Excel and, and that. Yeah, I've used uh, another one in the past as well called Signavio, uh, which is very good. Uh, I think, I think without a doubt, uh, I think it does obviously take time. And I think that's probably why uh, a lot of processes aren't actually properly mapped, mapped and documented. But it definitely does pay to, to do so. And uh, you know, it's especially key when you're looking at doing any major system changes, you know, uh, replacing legacy systems, et cetera. You do need to understand the current processes, how our you know, current systems are used in order to be able to replicate that and uh, you know, implement the new systems going forwards, uh, but also ensuring that you, you don't miss any key things out. Um, mm. um, I've, I've definitely found that so many processes which are very manual uh, it's i think it's assumed that automated but they're not they're not really documented and um i think there's just a expectation that's a bit of a black box that everything goes into and it just magically comes out but uh, you know that's not always the case so so ensuring that you can uh use a good business process manual going down into required uh, level of complexity is key. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, when you were mentioning manual processes, I was thinking about what we used to do. We used to go and take photos of the guys' desks, so the people that involved in the process, and then also watch them when they actually did their work and see how they shortcutted the work they had to do, because that's the natural thing for, for anyone is to find a way to do it quicker. Um, and, and that's usually the best way to see how to um, to optimize it for for your solution because as I say the right information at the right time um, but also taking away the amount of screens that I mean, my, my head goes uh, into you know I want to slam it against the wall when I think to talk to someone on, on the phone and say oh just hang on I need to check this system now give me a second this system's frozen let me check another system and you can just almost visualize them clicking on different applications that, that should all be integrated or, or hidden by in one, one portal um, as they try and find your information. And then it's, uh, well, I can't look at this today because this system has to take this information and put it into the other system. And that already happens overnight. 
Um, so we'll have to we'll have to do this tomorrow. And you're thinking, I've just spent 45 minutes on hold trying to get through to you. Uh, now I have to do that again tomorrow. Um, you know, how do you guys even run a business? How how have you become this big? Um, but it but it seems to happen. Um, that would be my dreams to fix all those problems. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, I, I must admit, there's a lot of automated systems now as well, isn't there? That you have to enter certain credentials that you have in order to be able to then speak to somebody. Um, <laughs> you know, you'll have a you'll have a a bot or AI, or whatever, that will try to go through the frequently asked questions, and that's something that we implemented as well, which I know is a bit can be a bit annoying. But then when you do that you expect that all that information that you've already given will then be recorded in the system, but that's not always the case. Yeah. <laughs> As you say, you know, because systems aren't necessarily all integrated or because there's an overnight routine to actually, you know, update the information, then that's what happens. But it does result in a poor customer experience. So that's something that, again, I was you know, quite cognizant of within MWI, they had lots of, it did have some integration, but then there were other systems that were very much standalone. I think this is where, talk about shadow IT, um, but certain business units or departments had gone off and procured their own software application because they didn't feel IT were you know, delivering stuff as they needed to within the time frame. They didn't feel they had that yeah. but They just wanted to do their own thing. Which is all good for them, but it then meant that, of course, when they had problems, they couldn't see information that they needed in order to be able to service the customers properly. Then, obviously, then IT needed to try and then sort that retrospectively. Yeah, so, so I've had those problems as well. And and usually the reason why shadow IT is a bad thing is because of all the things that, that, that a non-technical person doesn't ask. Um, which ends up, you know, biting later on, and, and you're the bad guy because you point these things out. Um, but I was thinking about your, your comment around the, the, the bots, and, and that when we I used to work for a, a business process vendor uh, called Global 360, uh, which was acquired by OpenText. And one of the things we we, we specialised in with our platform, so you have the sort of typical um, business process engine that everyone knows and, and understands um, where it's, it's, a, it's a railway track and, and the train goes down the track and it can't go to the next station without passing the first station and and there's sort of given paths that, that they can take you know they can only go onto another rail if there's a switch that takes them onto another rail so that's, that's a typical BPM that everyone knows the other one is case management or adaptive case management or dynamic case management depending on, on who you speak to which is that there, there is no predefined process per se. You've got a, an object or a folder. So think of your manila folder that you're adding information to all the time. And, and that information can be put down a process at any time, but you can still add information to that case. So it's never locked per se, unless you lock it on purpose. So the example would be, you know, you've got a, an object, which is your car, uh, you got another object which, which is a driver, so that's you or your, your wife or your kids. They're all different objects. They can all interact with the car, you know, be drivers, washing it, whatever it is. And then if you have a an accident, God forbid, that's the that's the fixed process that that, that car will go through as it go as you lay a claim with your insurance company, you get quotes for your panel beaters, um, and then you have it finally repaired. There's your fixed process. 
but that allow that that car could still be driven for example or it could go to the garage and be stuck there while you get another car so the drivers can be used so that's so it's a very flexible um system now one of the things you mentioned there about by having the history and, and the chats and all that kind of stuff we always thought about that kind of stuff so if you did have a, a chat and it's a message chat that would be saved with the vehicle and also the participants so you the driver so you were talking on the chat so that would also be saved with the case you should always have that information so that's probably one of the frustrations i have when i talk to these guys and they don't have it and, and there's a lot of systems that i've been dealing with recently funny enough where it's exactly that you start a whatsapp conversation with a bot and and you've got an issue and their predefined options don't meet that issue so you end up saying i want to talk to a human and there's no option for that either so you, you sort of say well this whole service makes no difference to me because all you're really doing is give me an faq system yeah. which you know i don't need to know to be honest to solve my problem so you end up in there back on the phone and then you're thinking well what was the value of all that stuff anyway because the average person you know needs help they don't need an faq um so those things can become as you say a very bad customer experience and to be fair it's the kind of thing that makes me cancel subscriptions just because you know i'd, I'd rather find someone else yeah no it's definitely getting the balance right isn't it you know um certainly in mwi's case it's the case of well didn't want to take on additional call center stuff um how can we how can we handle the number of calls that we have? Can we, how can we reduce the number of calls that we have? How can we provide more self-service capability for our customers? How can we improve the customer experience? Yeah. So so that was one of the list of measures, uh, you know, um, FAQ documents. But I think as well, um, there weren't any FAQ documents <laughs> to that point. Mm, yeah. It wasn't the work that had to be created in order to generate those. And then, of course, that was useful to some customers yeah, because they had a reference point. Because some of it was just a case of, well, I've always done it this way. I've always rung in customer service. Yeah. Don't like anything new. Um, got a new e-commerce site, which is great, but you know, I'm not too sure. But by having the FAQs with reference guys on there, but they could, you know, oh, you want to add cancel your order or you want to add to you know another item to your order or you actually want to have a pre-filled list with your order you know uh, that's going to be the same every week on week you know um yeah and those sorts of things i think were invaluable to some customers but i agree with you that and we did have a chat facility as well so you've then got to have the, the ability to they go through the faqs and they can see quite quite quickly that nothing there is going to help them. Then being able to go straight to a call centre operator is key. Otherwise, the whole experience, as you say, is a bad one, and you just end up going, "Well, I'm not going to get the help I need." Then I'm just going to move. Yeah, and and, that, and that's the biggest thing that I've noticed when when people take on these sort of services is is there is no pruning process, no gardening, you know, sort of use the analogy where you've got you've got a list of FAQs. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with those. Or, or having a knowledge base that's full of of help how to articles. That's great. So as you type in your problem, I need help with I'm, I'm moving my my kids' ISA, two junior ISAs at the moment. So I need help to move my I want to move my junior ISAs from this company to this company. And a search should be able to pick up 
the keywords there to start bubbling up articles that can help me. But at the minute, there's no article that helps me. There should be that button that says talk to a human. And that talk to the human takes you straight to someone that's available. But in the same, at the same time, and this is where the pruning, you know, gardening process comes in, that issue that you were dealing with that was so different, and I, I use the words with inverted commas, is probably not that different. It's just a missing how-to article. Yeah. And, and that, that consultant who's, who's helping you now should have the time um, to write up very quickly what the, what the problem was and what the solution was. And that goes to probably another team or someone that, that makes it, but, but it, you know, I say a bit, bit, bit English, but just make sure that, that what they're providing as advice is, is readable and understandable. And that feeds the, the self-help piece much better. Then, then you, can, you can reduce the, um, the, the frustration for an end user, but also because you've got that sort of white glove service where you've given the person the opportunity to use the automation first, They've done that part, so that you know. Thanks for doing that. You've, you've potentially saved yourself some time. But now that you've done that, we'll definitely help you with a, with an expert, you know, sort of level three expert as opposed to a level zero expert. You know, that's great. There are some good platforms out there. Obviously, you know, I was researching platforms to use, and uh, I came across this. This one company is really good, and um, you know, that was the thing that sold us. Ultimately, you know, you had this uh, integration between. Uh, the bot on the page, a virtual assistant, as they call it. Uh, yeah. So your chat facility with your contact centre, uh, the FAQ documents that your customers would see, FAQ documents that your customer services team would see, um, and then obviously the history of yeah. chat, conversation, uh, documents that we viewed, etc. You can then. Okay, well, you've done all this. You're not having to ask the same sort of questions again. You're not frustrating the customer because you're asking all the stuff they've done. And then, as you say, you have a history that you can refer back to uh, going forward. Well, well then, sorry, on, on that history thing, that history thing is so important because if you, if you look at your customer, and we used to joke about the Sky TV one, where if you phone into Sky TV every six months, you can negotiate down your your subscription costs, you know, and, and then we worked with a system called Singular Decisions, which was which was to do that automatically. And and, and that negotiation was was you don't need to phone in anymore. Just stay on the platform and we'll give you the discount. So you don't have to make the phone call. We'll just give it to you. Because you're still paying every month. And that's really what Sky wants is that is they don't want to lose any subscribers. Um, and you might give them a three-month deal, you might give them a six-month deal. But every time you're sort of petering on the, on the point of cancelling, you renew the contract with a better deal, or offer them a better deal, a sell-up or, or sell-down. But either way, you're still paying with 60 quid a month, which is all they really need to keep you. Yeah, so I'm, I'm conscious of time. If anyone wants to get in, in contact with you to, to chat, how's the best way to do that? Yeah, I mean, I love to network, Ryan, as you know. So, um, <laughs> each, yeah, get in touch on LinkedIn. Uh, Sean Sadler, I believe that uh, my uh, thing on, on there is about um, MBCS, um, Member British Computer Society, CITP, and CISSP. So, hopefully, you should be able to find me with, with that information on LinkedIn. Fantastic. And, and thanks for coming on the podcast. No problem at all. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. 
thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.